Well, good morning, church. I need some help. Would someone please take the scientific method and explain to me how the resurrection works? Can someone please take the theory of relativity, uh, relativity and locate heaven for me? I, I need someone that can do this before next Sunday. Take the Pythagorean theorem and explain to me how much space the Holy Spirit takes up in the human soul. When you get those answers for me, would you please come back and we will announce that and Bob will put them on the screen for us. We could go on and on. You think, oh, you're being silly, Pastor. But here is the point. My point is not to denigrate human ingenuity. The wonder of the human mind is to be admired. But my point is this, that there are questions of ultimate and of eternal importance that no amount of human wisdom can touch. You must understand that. There is a wisdom that comes from another world that is not derived from creatures, even clever ones. God's wisdom, I call it uncommon sense sometimes. The wisdom of God says this, that man is a ruined sinner and cannot reform and save himself. God has chosen that he would rescue some out of this quagmire of immorality and death. He sent his own son in the likeness of human flesh. Can you imagine God taking on a human soul and a human body and walking around on the dusty earth that he created and that's exactly what God did. And then the wisdom of taking the righteousness that he lived and applying that righteousness to the account of sinners that believe upon him and in turn taking off of their record book their unrighteousness and applying it to himself and paying the penalty on the cross of Christ in the place of those same sinners that just a few moments ago were hating him. And then by his own miraculous earth-shaking power, he arises from the dead and he proves that he has power over the penalty of our sin. He himself is stronger than death. He walks around on this earth to make sure that enough people see him to witness to it. He then ascends to the right hand of the Father. His work is not done. He then intercedes. He's the mediator. He's the high priest between his people and the holiness of God. No person has ever written a story like that. Do you know the only stories in humanity and among us in entertainment that ever gain any traction? The ones that mirror that message in some way. Let's take Superman, for example. What's the issue? Someone with beyond human powers comes from another world to rescue humanity. 
There's something about that that in our heart says, there's something that we need about that. Lord of the Rings, all these other movies that are like that, it's someone rescuing us because we can't rescue ourselves. Even Gotham can't rescue itself. And so whenever in humanity, whenever even in entertainment among lost people, we catch a glimpse of what God has done for us, there's something about that that resonates with us. Why? It's a, it's a wisdom from another world. Now, I'm not baptizing Batman this morning, but I'm just saying that this is wisdom from God, and there's no amount of human thinking that could ever imagine or implement the plan of God. And this is what Paul is saying to the church at Corinth. You guys have the history of Socrates and Aristotle and Plato, but they were wrong. They thought that people had within themselves godhood and that all that needed to be done was to conjure it up and so that man could present the best of himself. That's what they thought. They didn't think man needed to be changed and rescued from another world. They thought man was evolving to that next world. But they were wrong. That shows the people that have ultimate and final commitment and faith in the power of humanity, and they're always wrong. It's foolishness. So there's a different kind of wisdom, and so I want to talk to you about wisdom that's out of this world for a moment in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. First of all, I want to show you that God's wisdom is a superior wisdom. It's superior to all the wisdom, all the ingenuity, all the cleverness, all the smartness, all the IQ of this world. And notice in verses 6 through 10, yet, Paul says, among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Now, I don't know if you remember, but before he was just talking about human wisdom and it's not to be trusted for the ultimate answers of life. But Paul is not preaching here to be a, an ignoramus. What he is preaching here is that you're a fool if you reject the wisdom that's beyond yourself. The wisdom is from another world. And so he says, but among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. Which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Well, this superior wisdom, let me say three things about it. First, it's superior in its stability or longevity. Because he says it's not a wisdom of this present age, this era that we're in. It's not the wisdom that comes from the smart people of this society. My wife's uncle was one of the leading chemists that came up with a process that has been used in space and everything else. And I, I don't know anything about it, but it's somehow freezing stuff. I don't even understand. 
And you can Google him, Sam Collins, if you want to. But he has inventions that were in the Smithsonian. He was a professor at MIT. Kind of a smart dude. I, I don't understand all that he knows. But I want to tell you something about Mr. Collins today. He has seen fully wisdom that is from another world. See, he was a believer. He's a follower of Jesus. Even in the world of the Ivy League schools and academia, the chemistry department at Carson Newman College was named after him. This is a guy with a lot of brains. I don't know where he got them, but they went to my wife. I don't have anybody like that on my side of the family. I've got blacksmiths and dairymen and such, you know. We don't have those things. I, I'm the smartest guy I know on my side of the family. I don't know anybody else. But the wisdom of this world, all of that will pass away. It all will pass away. Never in eternity are we going to sit around and go, you know, I wish I would have studied calculus further. Nobody's going to say that. Nobody's going to say, you know, I wish I wouldn't have made a C in physics the third time around when I took it. No, nobody's going to say, we wish. we're not going to worry about such things. Why? Because there's a wisdom from another world. You see, the wisdom of this world is about meeting material needs because material needs is the highest priority in this world. If you study, you know, the educational theories about the needs of man, you know, and if these needs are met, then people prosper, but they never talk about the needs of the soul. Man in this world is purely spiritual, purely material. He's a material being only. And the most important thing, according to thinking this world, is self-esteem. And self-esteem is derived from the accolades of other humans. And if you do not get it, then you have to get on medication. Seriously. And the acquisition of temporary things is of ultimate importance since life is temporary anyway. And not only that, you are special. And no one is as special as you are. That's the wisdom of this world. And if anybody dare contradicts that last statement in your life, you fly into a rage. And if someone appears to be more special than you are, then you do everything you can to bring back down their specialness so that you yourself will be returned to the throne of speciality. The problem with all of that thinking is that everything that these doctrines address, and believe me, it is discipleship. It's discipleship of, of humanism. And everything that that teaches, it teaches something that merely addresses temporary things. Just temporary issues. Each of those situations will pass away. Nobody dies from lack of self-esteem. Nobody dies because they don't understand the theory of relativity. Nobody understand, uh, dies because they don't understand those kinds of things. Not only that, but human wisdom is subject to update and to change. Let me give you some examples. Humans used to think it was dangerous to take a bath. That wasn't that long ago, guys. And from my observation, this is a theory that has returned to haunt us in the present day. I'm like, dude, that aisle is the deodorant. Take a left. Take a left. 
We also used to think that tobacco was healthy for you and it actually had medicinal benefits. I do remember if you want to, like a purging, it does work. My uncle, he, he grew up in the city, never been around country folks at all. And back in the old days when we didn't think anything was wrong with tobacco, my dad raised tobacco. And so we're out in the field and, you know, we're cutting and spearing tobacco. And my uncle shows up, you know, and he shows up in his, you know, his outfit. He's been out being a, a food rep or whatever he did. And he said to my dad, he said, you know, I've never chewed tobacco before. What's it like? My dad said, pull off a leaf and give it a try. And he did. And, well, it didn't go well. Now, we had a good time with it, but he turned the same color as the tobacco leaves. It was, that was sad to do that to a man. But people, this is just, a, this is just something, okay? L- let me just give you, let me impart some wisdom here to you, just some human wisdom with Appalachian people, if you don't know, don't ask because you're getting ready to be taught and taught in a way that you don't want to be taught. They never teach you the easy way. They teach you so that they can laugh at your stupid mistake or pain even. So just understand that. And so if you visit Eastern Kentucky, Eastern Tennessee, you know what I mean. And parts of Ohio. People used to swear by this. That if you get burned, put butter on it. Have any of you ever done that? Raise your hand. Yes, some of you have. How'd that feel to you? Have you ever heard, put salt in the wound? That's what you just did. And our attitude to change about these things are are fairly recent. So how wise are we really? God's wisdom is superior for one reason, because it never changes. The gospel never changes who God is, who humans are, what must happen in order for us to restore relationship with God and go to heaven when we die, that never changes. God's wisdom, He addresses the issues of eternity and therefore they cannot change. God's wisdom is eternal and He addresses the things of eternity. It's a superior wisdom in that it never changes. It's also superior in its source. But he says, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God in verses 7 and 8. Do you see that? Secret wisdom, he said, the word really there is mystery. We, We impart a mystery of hidden wisdom of God. In the words of God there, of God means God is the source. It's not wisdom about God, even though it is. But it's God is the source. He's the only source of this kind of wisdom and understanding. And what we're talking about here is perception. We're talking about viewpoint. We're talking about how we see the world, not just how are you saved, but when we say, first of all, that God is the creator, automatically that determines how you see the world. And if God is the creator, automatically that determines who sets the rules. And God is the creator, it automatically determines who gets to apply judgment. It's the way we see things. Because God has revealed these things to us. Wisdom comes from God. God's wisdom is mysterious. It is completely confounding to those who are not inhabited by the Spirit of God. If the Spirit of God is not in you, it's ridiculous wisdom. It makes no sense. How many times do you try to talk with people about this and they just laugh? The stupidest thing I've ever heard. Note there's a contrast here. 
The contrast is between the rulers of this age and the wisdom that they impart. They are doomed to pass away. But notice the wisdom that comes from God. It's decreed before the ages for our glory. It's an eternal wisdom. The words pass away in verse 6 means neutralized. These people and their wisdom will be neutralized. But we, on the other hand, are destined for the completion of our salvation as decreed by God. The word decreed there means determined beforehand. God decreed, God predestined before the ages. That is, before there was human time, God decreed that this is the way it would be for us, His followers. And what did He decree? That it would be for our glory. What does that mean? Complete eternal salvation. That's what God decreed and determined before there was one tick on the clock of human time. God determined. And therefore it cannot pass away. What God has determined is outside of time. God has not discovered needs and then decided, let me see if I can come up with a plan. That's not how God has worked. God is the plan. God has already determined. So he decreed these things before human time. It's superior in its source. It's superior to the senses. Verses 9 and 10 talk about eye hasn't seen it. Ear hasn't heard it. Heart can't even imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. Nobody can, by their own human senses, understand or imagine what God has prepared for us. No one is able. How do we know them? Verse 10 tells us these things are revealed to us through the Spirit of God. Humans are limited to gaining knowledge in really one way. How is that? By human senses. That's the way. Now, whenever one of our senses are taken away, then our learning becomes limited, doesn't it? If you lose sense of hearing, then you have lost a source of knowledge. If you lose the sense of sight, you have lost a source of knowledge. If you lose the sense of speaking, then you have lost a source of knowledge. If you lose a sense of touch, you have lost a source of knowledge. How would you know what hot and cold is if you can't feel anything? You see, you can't understand without the senses. But I want to explain this to you and help you to understand. Those are limited, limited tools for knowledge. That's what we must embrace as Christians. Those are limited. Use them to the max to try to determine and understand things. I mean, I'm an avid reader. I read all kinds of stuff. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a reader. I like to learn. I like to know about people. And so, I, you know, I, I do these things. I mean, I just finished reading the American Puritans. I mean, nobody else in this room would read that, but I read that. So, you know, I, I want to know about people. And people that founded this country, it's great, you know, to learn about their faith. So I want to know those things. But it takes my eyes and it takes my mind and my heart to be able to understand something about these people. If those things are taken away, I can't understand. But I also have to know this. There is a limit to what those things can grasp. They cannot grasp heaven. I mean, just ask yourself this question. How did God get here? Is that what little kids do to you like four-year-old Sunday school? Who's God's dad? 
And you know, you get to the point, I mean, as, a, as, you know, as, a, as an adult, you just come to this place like your mind cannot go any further. It, it can go to the doorstep of eternity, but it cannot plunge into it. You, you just can't go any further. Why? Because the, you, you don't have the senses to enable you to do that. The sense that's missing with people that don't know Jesus is the sense of faith. That is believing what God has revealed. Once you believe upon Christ, then guess what happens? The Holy Spirit then begins to show you. How does the Holy Spirit show you? He shows you through the written Word of God. He shows it to you. You say, well, lost people can read the Bible. They can read it. They can't grasp it. It's different. It's different. The apostles didn't write that which their senses know. They wrote down what was revealed to them by the Spirit of God. It was revealed to them. Things which no one could discern by mere human sense. No one could discern it. The Bible says these things God has revealed to us, and Paul is speaking primarily there about the apostles, revealed to us through the Spirit of God. Now that leads us to this. The the next thing I want us to see about the wisdom that comes from God is it's a it's a spiritual wisdom that's no surprise to us is it it's a spiritual wisdom now let's go back to verse 10 the second half of it and and the Bible explains for the spirit searches everything that is a scary reality you know the spirit of God's doing right now searching your heart why are you here what are you doing with what I'm telling you right now why are you hard-hearted why are you resistant? Why are you apathetic to the things of God? He's, he's, he's working in your heart right now. He knows exactly what's going on in each of our hearts at this very moment. That's a scary thought. The Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So here's what Paul's saying. How can the apostles know these things? The Spirit of God has given it to them. How does the Spirit of God know them? Well, the Spirit of God... He is the very depth of God. He searches the deep things of God. And so now he gives an illustration. So this is the illustration of the spiritual wisdom. He says it works like this. Here's how it works. Who knows a person's thoughts? The answer is nobody. Except the spirit of that person which is in him. No one knows exactly what you're thinking right now except you. No one. Not even your deepest friend, closest friend, deepest acquaintance. Your spouse even doesn't know exactly what you're thinking right now. Nobody can. The only way, the only person in this room who knows what you're thinking besides God is you. Why? Because these are the deep things of a person. These are things, the thoughts that you're, you're mulling over in your, in your soul. So no one knows what you're thinking except the, your spirit within you. And in the same way then, so also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Just like you cannot discern what the person sitting next to you is thinking. You cannot. It's, you're unable to do so. How much more is that true that we can't discern what God is thinking? If we, being mere humans, cannot understand, you can't even think what your dog's thinking right now. We can't discern what's going on in the heart and mind of another person we don't know. Now, we know some things. Now, Julie and I have been together so long that sometimes she'll get ready to say something and I'll say it. She goes, it's like we're the same person. 
A lot of times we don't have to speak, we just look at each other and that's it, you know. So we know a lot of each other, being together that long. But the fact of the matter is, I don't know exactly what she's thinking right now. Probably something like, why don't you hurry up or something like that, I don't know. But I don't know what she's thinking right now, I don't know. And there's, and, and the only way somebody, can, the only way you can ever get into what somebody's thinking is if they tell you, hey, here's what I'm thinking. And sometimes I don't even know what I'm thinking myself. I can't even quite get off. I don't know, something's bothering me, but I don't know what it is. So I, I, I'm not always able to even verbalize what I'm thinking. If that's true of us human to human, how much more is it true of us to God? And we need to bow to that. You know, we need to humble ourselves to that and say, I can't know God's mind. One of the things I've told staff people and deacons through the years over and over and over again is this. When there is a tragic death, something that's a crisis death, all deaths are tragic, I guess, to some extent, but, but when there's a crisis death and people are going to have lots of questions, you're going to go to the home or you're going to get a chance to meet with those people at some point, and the one question they're going to ask you is, why would God allow this? That's when you shut your mouth. You do not know the mind of God, and for you to act like you do is the ultimate pinnacle of arrogance. You don't know. And this is a place, as a minister of the gospel, of a deacon of a church, where you get to show some humility and say, I don't know. I'm sorry, I just don't know. I don't know the mind of the Lord. I, I, I don't know what you're thinking. I can't even, how could I know what he's thinking? I, I don't know. All I can tell you is God cares. That's all I know. He says it in the Bible. He cares for you. That's all I know. Read them some scripture and pray for them. Sometimes we think somehow we're going to reason up to God. We can't do that. This analogy helps us to know that we can't comprehend the thoughts of God unless the Spirit of God shows us. God himself has to speak to us these things. Now look at this. There's a revelation of spiritual wisdom. Verse 12, we're talking about it's spiritual wisdom. There's an illustration of it. Now the revelation of it. Here's what he says in verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. You know what he's saying? We can't understand, even as the apostles, we can't understand by mere human wisdom what God is doing. The only way we understand any of it and are able to write of any of it is by the Spirit of God. He has freely given us these things. By His grace, He's shown us what He wants us to know. You can't know everything about God. The apostles were not shown everything about God. It's an impossibility since God is infinity itself. You can't know. But you can know what He shows us. We can know what God has shown us through what the apostles have written by the Spirit of God. Now look at the application of it. The application of spiritual wisdom, what do you do with it? Verses 13 and 14. Here's what you do with it. And, and he's talking about the apostles here. He says, we impart this in words. The revelation of God is not uh, some tickle you feel in your heart. It's not a sign that you see. It's not a butterfly floating by. Or our first Sunday here, an energy stick. It's none of those things. That, that's not a revelation of God. Man used to be a guy he lived close to, and he, was, he thought he got direct revelation from God. And I, I kept thinking, I think this guy drinks too much. He about got me to the point I started drinking. He's driving me nuts. And about, hey, man, I just got a revelation from God. I just thought to myself, Jimmy, quit doing that. 
He'd do it all. He'd, he would corner me with it. And, and so the, the thing about it is, here's the revelation from God. God has given this to the prophets and the apostles. And now, what have they done with it? We impart this in words. Not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Now, those who are spiritual does not mean that there are unspiritual Christians and spiritual Christians. Spiritual versus lost, okay? So the Spirit of God is going to help you through the Word of God because the apostles have written it down. The Spirit of God is going to help you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to interpret the Scriptures. This doesn't mean you don't use the wisdom of others that God is showing what the Bible means. I hope that you're humble enough to do that. But it means that ultimately the Spirit of God is going to help you to know. But look at this on the other hand, talking about applying the, the spiritual wisdom. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And, and underline these words. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural person, the person in the flesh is another way that Paul puts it. This is just mere humanity. I, I call it naked humanity. It is humanity not clothed with the Spirit of God. It is humanity with their own wisdom, humanity with its own way of thinking, humanity influenced by the world, uh, humanity that is uh, held captive by sinfulness and rebellion against God. That's the natural person. And the, na the person in its natural state cannot, is unable to discern spiritual things. We were talking about that a little bit this morning in Sunday school, how maddening it is when you're talking with someone who is, is, is just as sharp and clever as anybody that you've ever known, and you try to talk to them about the things of the Spirit of God, and they just don't get it. And they circle back around to the same things over and over again. I'm not as bad as the next person. You know, I tell you, the recording gets old to me. I can sit there and mouth it while they're saying it. I'm not as bad as that person. You know, and, and you know, I know someone who did this, or somebody at your church did that. And so they're, you know, they're always doing that kind of thing. And so it's, it's, it never ends. And they're never able to come to this place where they recognize they are sinners by birth and by choice. And that they are in rebellion against God. Violent rebellion against God. And that God will judge them for it. It's like they just can't grasp it. Well, I'll start coming to church. I didn't say come to church. I didn't say that. I mean, it'd be great for you if you do come to church. Better than being in jail, so come on to church. But I'm just saying. But they just can't get it. And so the issue there is they're not able to. Without them, this is how I know that God acts first in salvation. And I mean personally. I don't mean generally. I mean personally in a person's life. If prevenient grace, this idea that God generally gives grace to humanity and we can just choose whenever we get ready, if that were really true, I'd be able, I think, to argue just about every single person in the world into the kingdom of God. I think I could. But that's not the way it works. And that person is dead. You ever try to have a conversation with dead people? They, I mean, barring Oprah. But other than that, you know, it, they just don't converse well. And, and so why? They don't comprehend anything. People dead in sin, they don't comprehend this stuff. When we're talking about spiritual things, they're dead to it. 
So they're unable, you know, they're unable to do it. It takes a miracle work of the Spirit of God to regenerate their hearts so that they're enlivened, so they can see the glory of God in Christ Jesus and how sinners are saved through the treasure of Jesus. And then they respond to that. That's how it works. It's not humans respond first and then God responds back. That's not how it works. How do we know that? They're unable to do that. Spiritual Christians... Or all Christians are spiritual. Now some of us are not growing very much or we haven't grown as we ought to. But there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. That doesn't exist. A a carnal person is a person in the flesh. A carnal person is one who's an unbeliever. A carnal person is the same thing as a natural person. That's what that is. So the, the issue here, Paul's been talking about this through the first two chapters. It's the difference between saved people and their foolish wisdom versus uh, unsaved people and their foolish wisdom versus saved people, followers of Jesus, and their wisdom of eternity that comes from God. Interesting, it's, to me, I, I experience things like this over and over again. If I, let's say I, I, I'm feeling a certain way. I'm not feeling well. And I get on WebMD. And I diagnose, get into self-diagnosis. And I got that down. Uh, those of you that are doctors, I can't imagine how maddening your profession has now become. But welcome to my world that everybody talks spiritual stuff with me and thinks they're already the expert. And I'm there just to field their, you know, expertise. And so they come to, I come to my doctor and say, here's what I have. Here's the medication I want. All I need is a pen and pencil from you to write my script. Just, just call Walgreens, right? But what if the doctor says this? Wait a minute. You, you missed it. That is not what you have. Instead of what you think you have, you actually have this. What am I going to do? I'm going to stand rebuked. I'm going to go, well, okay, you're probably right. I mean, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have, of course, and you have the degree to show it, so I'm going to stand corrected. But while I'm talking to that same doctor, if we delve into things that, not my present doctor, but this is a make-believe doctor, and if we, pre- we delve into things that are about religion and I say to the person gently, listen, you're really wrong about what you think about that because God has revealed to us the truth about what you're talking about. Do you know the response I'm going to get from that doctor? To me, as a pastor, you know the response I'm going to get? <laughs> Everybody has a right to their own opinion. Suddenly when we get into the realm of spiritual things, it's just all a matter of opinion. That is not true. That just simply is not true. Does everybody have a right to their opinion? Yes, and they also have a right to go to hell if they want to. But it doesn't make you right. There's a difference. The reality is that doctor's wrong. The issues of God and salvation can only be discerned by a Christian, and it's not a matter of opinion. This doesn't mean that Christians are right in everything they ever say pertaining to the Bible. But it does mean that we are capable by God's Spirit of getting it right, to getting to the heart of the matter, and the natural man is incapable of doing so. That's spiritual wisdom. Now let me say this. Let's get to this final point about this wisdom. And not only is it a superior wisdom the gospel and how God saves sinners and changes them into Christ's likeness. Not only is that a superior wisdom and a spiritual wisdom, but it's also the Savior's wisdom. Verses 15 and 16 tell us, The spiritual person judges all things, 
but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord? So as to, to instruct him, to, to instruct God. Who, who's understood God's mind to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is a supernatural nature in our wisdom here. This is what God is talking about here is understanding what he has revealed to us about himself, about the gospel, about humanity, understanding people to be people according to the Bible, not people according to what they say about themselves, but what the Bible says about people. And we understand the world and how the world works, how Satan works, how sin works. Y'all studied that this morning in Sunday school. The power of sin, how it works. Then that gives the Christian supernatural discernment. The spiritual person, that means Christians, real followers of Jesus, judges all things. And then he goes on to say, but he himself is judged by no one. What, what does that mean? It means that the word judging there means you have discernment. You can understand accurately. You, listen, you know what's wrong with the world right now. You understand. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know exactly what is wrong with the world. You know why there's terrorism. You know why there was that god-awful shooting in that school in Texas. You know why people are in a state of gender confusion. You know why. The, you know. And you watch the news and you hear them roll out another trillion-dollar plan to correct it all. And you're saying, saying to yourself, no, that's not going to correct it all. Do you know what prison is? Prison is the location that illustrates the ultimate and final failure of human solutions to a spiritual problem. That's why when people get to that place, by and large, by and large, the government then says, hey, hey if you're a pastor, come help us. Why? In these people, they see illustrated that all of our plans and programs and, and counseling and everything that we do, education, all of it, does not solve the core human problem. But you have the discernment to know that. Listen, I'm not, I'm not downplaying the importance of any of those things. Government has its role. Yes, it does. Education has its role. Of course it does. All of those things are wonderful blessings in our country. A lot of people don't have that. We have those things. I, I'm not... But what I'm saying is when our faith is in that to correct the human problem, we're showing foolishness in our lives. And the world out there cannot understand it. And they, want, they live in denial. Well, that can't be the problem. And so they go back to what kind of program do we need to do? You know what's going to happen now? I mean, this is just a political commentary probably. But what's going to happen next is there will be some big fight in, in Congress about gun control. That's what's hap- going to happen next. And I, I'm, not, I'm not giving an opinion about that, right or wrong, or whatever. I, I'm not going to do that. The problem I have with it is, though, they think that that is the solution to our problem. And it isn't. It just isn't. We, as Christians, can discern. And on the other hand, non-Christians do not have access to the revelation of God interpreted to us by the Spirit of God. They don't have that. So therefore, they can't judge us. What does that mean? It means they can't understand us. They just don't get it. Now, we're goofy in a lot of ways. Um, every time there's like a Christian movie that comes out, I always cringe. I'm like, well, this is going to be stupid. 
And so, you know, I was like, oh boy, is this going to be cheesy? And so, you know, we're going we're to do it. And I, I usually go see it and I'm like, I don't know why I did that. But, um, but we do that. We have a lot of things about us, this dorky and weird. But you know what? The world out there cannot understand us. What sense does it make for a man to corral his four children on Sunday morning and drag them to church? What sense is that horrible moment you have in a car? Stop that, stop that, stop it. Get back. Don't make me pull this car over. You know, that's your, you know, it's you and the kids and the wife and Satan on the way to church. I know how it works. And, and what, in what world is that fun? I mean, you know, why would you do that to yourself? The world can't understand. You know why you do it? You have hope. God's going to work in the life of my family, and I don't care what it takes. I'm going to get them there. They can accept it. They can reject it, whatever they're going to do with it. But that's, that's by their own choice. They can do that. But I'm going to give them exposure to it, and they can take it and do what they will with it. But non-Christians can't. Under, what, in what world is it sensible to give 10% of your income right off the top to a local church? Why? That doesn't make any sense. That makes no sense. But that's what we do. Why? Because we understand things of ultimate importance and they don't. Now, what's the source of our discernment? We've already talked about this, but here is just an astounding statement for Christians. We have the mind of Christ. You have another mind in you. I didn't say another brain. Some of you would benefit from that, but we don't have another brain. But we're talking about the soul. The soul of man that's able to take information in, filter it, think through it, and develop a conclusion about that information. And you have the mind of Christ. If you're a Christian, you have the mind of Christ that's in you. And if you will let him, he'll do that for you. You filter everything through his mind. Well, how do I do that? Read the Word of God. That's his mind. He will tell you what to think about these things and how to respond and what to meditate upon, what to reject from your mind. We are to have transformed minds. By the renewing of our mind, our lives are transformed. That's how it works. If you don't take anything in, then you can't develop the mind of Christ in you. It's the mind of Christ is just going to be dormant and nothing. Not going to help you. But if you take in what is in his mind into your mind, his mind will control It's not by our ability, but it's because Christ lives in our souls that we have access to His mind. He's not going to show us all that God knows, but He will show us all that we need to know about God. Stephen Hawking had an IQ of somewhere between 160 and 170. A genius. During his lifetime, he was considered the smartest man alive. And yet he wrote these words. There is no God. No one directs the universe. Now let me ask you, let me ask you a question. How smart is that? You see, the, the problem is, it, it wasn't that Stephen Hawking wasn't smart highly intelligent I mean it would be such an interesting conversation to talk with someone like that but just highly intelligent but the problem is that there is a wisdom that comes from another world that he never received had he received the wisdom from God then he would not have made a foolish statement like that 
We're not here saying that all highly intelligent people reject the wisdom of God. That's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is that every single person on the planet is prone to thinking that whatever smart people say must be the truth. You should see the, the comments I get. And, and like when I'm talking to people, let's say they have a PhD in physics or whatever. And, you know, I'm talking to them. They're like, what do you do? You know, I'm a pastor. They just roll their eyes. I'm like, dude, I have a doctorate too. They go, in what? In ministry. <laughs> you know, and I, I want to say to them, you know, dude, I'm on my fourth language. How about you? You know, but I, you know, you, but they, they just, they automatically write off wisdom that's from another world. Why, why do they write that off? Because humans only count as wisdom that which can be discerned by human senses. If you think that way and you live that way, you live for sin. This other wisdom that's from above, only God can give that to you. And he will give it to you through his son Jesus. So then you'll be able to understand this is how God thinks. This is how God does things. This makes sense of the world. This is the problem with the world. And the solution for sinners is Jesus. The faith of the lowliest Christian... Listen to this. I wrote this myself. I think it's pretty smart. The, the faith of the lowliest Christian is eternal genius compared to the foolish dullness of the unspiritual world. The question for everybody today is, have you wised up? is the difference between being a wise man and being a wise guy. Are you wise enough to recognize, number one, I don't have that wisdom from God. Secondly, I hear the wisdom of God, and it is Christ Jesus came to save sinners of whom I'm the worst in this room. Thirdly, he went to the cross to do that. He took my punishment in my place so that God wouldn't have to punish me. Fourthly, he said that if I would put my complete faith and trust upon him, my total confidence in him as my Savior and also as my Lord to direct my life, that he in turn would account his righteousness to my account and wipe away all of my sin and lead me in this life to live a life of wisdom. Have you done that? That's the wisdom that God would give to you today, that you would humble yourself and open your heart to Christ. Well, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us wisdom that we cannot get any other way. We could read every volume of every book in the world and would still come away as spiritual morons. Why? Because this wisdom is revealed to us from heaven and explained to us by the Spirit of God. Help us as Christians to not treat this lightly, this great privilege that we have. To be able to understand and take in the wisdom that is from God. Help us also, Father, to understand that we have this wisdom in jars of clay. That our lives are just brittle jars. But we have the light of the gospel in us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to explain that and share that with as many people as possible. And that God, you in turn, would enliven those hearts that would come to you and trust you through your son Jesus.
And we thank you, Father, for answering that prayer, not only today, but in the days that follow. In Jesus' name, amen.